Good morning, everyone. Like every time I see that video and there are like, what, 40 billion Facebook statuses every day, I always think like half of those got to be Rebecca White and uh, Rebecca Abbott. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying, I I, I know that they skew the curve. Uh, I I love it, but uh, it's awesome. uh, hey, I just wanted to point out really quick that um, on the back here, I, seven years ago I started writing a Going Deeper, and the reason I started writing that was a couple of different reasons. Uh, I have this belief that, that if Sunday is all the spir- spiritual nutrition that you're, you're getting during the week, that you're going to starve to death spiritually. Uh, the other reason was... I. I it's kind of a dumping ground. There's a lot of stuff that, that uh, I read and I find interesting, but I, I really don't touch upon on a Sunday. And uh, there's kind of a new technology uh, out there in the back. You can see two little scan codes on there. If you have a smartphone, you can scan one of those, and it'll actually uh, uh, take you to a website that will give you even more kind of commentaries and resources that I've touched upon. So that's just uh, something a little extra for you. If you don't have a smartphone, uh, there's the web address down there. You can just type that in as well. So uh, do me a favor, and if that, uh, it's just experimental right now. I'm just kind of working through it. If that's of value, you know, shoot me an email. If you have an idea on how to make it better and more valuable, I'd love to hear that too. I just, uh, I think technology can be used as a great resource to help us uh, move closer to Christ. So that's there if you're interested in it. So we are in the seventh week of uh, the series Red Letters, where we're looking at several of the teachings of Jesus. Last year, we really looked at the life of Jesus, and this year, really looking at the teachings of Jesus. And and this week uh, is pretty interesting. Um, Got like a crazy show going on up there, but that's okay. Uh, this this uh, week has actually brought a lot of uh, different questions to my mind. And actually, uh, in, in that thinking, I came up with one of the most bar- embarrassing moments in my life just because uh, I just didn't know how I got there. You know, you, I'm sure this is kind of just kind of a collective experience that we've all had. Uh, Have you ever been like there's a moment in your life where you're confronted with something or something you become, you realize something about what you're doing or about yourself and you just kind of like sit there and just like, how did I get here? How did this happen? And I think when you you kind of uh, step back, you usually can, can see that it, uh, you didn't just get there, you didn't make those decisions, that it all started with, with one decision. And then off of that decision, you based another decision, and off of that decision, you made another decision, until one day, you find yourself in a place that you never dreamed you would be. Uh, I've had several boats uh, uh, as a as a you know adult young adult growing up, and I remember one of my first boats. Uh, I used to 
take out and uh, would like to go to an island called Catalina Island off uh, the coast of Los Angeles. And I didn't have GPS back then and all that kind of fancy stuff. We had this thing called a compass. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that wasn't very fancy. It was like, uh, and Catalina Island was 26 miles away. And uh, you would have to go on a, a certain compass heading. And, and what would happen a lot of times, I mean, it's a long trip, especially in a small boat. And, and you'd start on the heading and then maybe you'd get one degree off. And if you just stayed that one degree off, you wouldn't really end up where you needed to be, but you wouldn't be like lost in the middle of the ocean. But w- what would happen is, you know, say if you're heading on a 36 degree you know, then you would kind of be at 37 and you're all right. And you're like, well, I'm at 38 and 39. And pretty, pretty soon, you know, you're, you know, in the middle of nowhere. and You don't know how you're out of gas. And you don't know, you know, what happened. And that's kind of the, the nature of, of kind of like how we end up in places that we never dreamed that we would be. Uh, in the context of the story, we're going to be in Mark chapter 12, and Jesus is responding to one of these moments in the history of Israel. You see, he had just cleared the temple. I love that story. You know, I love, you know, butt kicking Jesus, you know, you know, just, you know, he's in there and he's, he's turning over tables and everything. If you don't know the story, basically he went to the temple and it was just filled filled with uh, people who were changing money and selling different things. And it was more of a marketplace and a carnival kind of uh, situation going on than a, than a place where people were coming to really connect with God. But, you know, it didn't start out that way. Nobody was sitting in a pew one day in the temple and said, wouldn't it be really cool if we just made a complete carnival out of this thing and we had money changers, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's have money changers. And let's have, you know, all these kind of different animals and all of this kind of stuff. And we'll, you know, different people will sell it and people will be bartering and everything. That's not how the decision was made. I'm sure the decision was made, well, there's a lot of people traveling from a lot of different places. And wouldn't it be convenient if they were able to exchange their money in, you know, or they were able to, to just conveniently buy their offering while, you know, at the temple. And I'm sure it was started innocently enough, but then one decision was made off of the, that decision, and then that decision ended up in disaster. Now, all of us can relate to this. Like I was saying, one of my most embarrassing moments as a person and a new follower of Christ happened about 17 years ago. See, I was part of a family business. And uh, I remember uh, one day my dad and I, and my dad's over there, uh, were sitting and uh, we were looking at the books and, and, and just kind of like trying to get a handle on, on everything that was going on. And, you know, we, had a, you know, we were putting all the financial records out and everything, and there's this one folder. And I really didn't think much of it, like most of the times that we find ourselves in a place where we're like, how did we get here? And I remember he takes the folder and he opens it up and he's looking it through. 
And this like look of just disappointment comes onto his face. And he's all like, what is this? Well, what this was was a folder of a painting contractor that also owned a, a charter fishing business. And many, you know, probably a couple of years prior, there was a decision that I made that led me to one of the most embarrassing moments of my life. See, several years earlier, there was a job that this painting contractor was on, and I don't remember exactly the details, but he didn't get paid on it, or there was a problem or something like that. And, and he called and said, hey, I didn't get paid on the job, but I own this fishing charter business. What do you say? We just, uh, we'll take you out for uh, charter fishing, and we'll just, we'll call it even. Made the decision. Simple enough. No problem you know what, we're probably going to get paid anyway. At least somebody, me, should get something out of it, right? Well, from there, it worked so well for him, and, it, and honestly, it worked well for me, that he called up and said, hey, I'm bidding on this job. What do you say we do that deal again? Okay, sounds good. So we did this. We kept records of it, and... Uh, and uh, it, was a, it was a barter system. And uh, just kind of rolled along and, and uh, just did it. And it just never thought anything of it. Until one day I'm sitting there with my dad. And he's looking at all of these transactions. And he says, Mark, what is this? And I said, well, you know, I'm trading rentals, you know, for, for fishing trips. And he looked at me and he said, you are stealing from the family. You are stealing from your family. You know what the truth is? Well, he was right. Now, if you would have asked me, would I ever steal from my family? You know what I would have answered? Absolutely not. I would never dream of stealing from my family. I wouldn't steal from you either if you're like checking your wallet. But, but I, had, I found myself in a place that I never dreamed I would be. Because my foundation decision-making had gotten taken off of the cornerstone of the, of the base decision-making, and I started making decisions on relative decisions based on the previous decision that I made. And I ended up in a place where I had no idea where, how I got there. So my father called the police and I spent the next 10 years in prison. <laughs> no, of course not. He forgave me and we moved on. And I learned an important lesson about relative decision making. So I think it would be very easy for me and perhaps you to sit here and, and condemn the religious leaders 
for where they had found themselves. In a place where the Messiah had come and He had cleared the temple. But Jesus tells a story to kind of unpack for them out of this. And it's found in Mark chapter 12, starting in verse 1, after Jesus clears the table and they're wondering, why, by what authority do you do this? <clears throat> Jesus began to teach them with these stories. A man planted a vineyard, he built a wall around it, dug a pit for pressing out the grape juice, and built a lookout tower. Then he leased the vineyard to the tenant farmers and moved to another country. At that time of the grape at the time of the grape harvest, he sent one of his servants to collect his share of the crop. But the farmers grabbed the servant, beat him up, and sent him back empty-handed. The owner then sent another servant, but they insulted him and beat him over the head. The next servant he sent was killed. How'd you like to be the next one? You ever think about that? Others he sent were either beaten or killed until there was only one left, his son who he dearly loved. The owner finally sent him thinking, surely they will respect my son. But the tenant farmers said to one another, here comes the heir to this estate, let's kill him and get the estate for ourselves. So they grabbed him and murdered him and threw his body out of the vineyard. How did they get there? I don't believe when they signed the contract to be the tenants that they ever dreamed that they were going to become murderers. In fact, we can even see in the story that the first thing they did was they, they, they beat up a servant. They didn't kill the first servant, but based on that decision, they made a relative decision to the next one, all the way to the point where they now believed that they were in their right to actually own that field and that nobody could rightfully take it from them. Now, to really fully understand this story, we need to kind of back up and kind of personalize it. Now, why do we make investments? Why would you make an investment? For a return, right? So here we have... The, the, the man who owns the field, and, and that's God in, the, in this picture. So God, Jesus is trying to communicate a story about the nature of God and about where Israel finds himself at this moment. He says, look, God built this vineyard. What did God do? He, he got the land. He planted, planted the, the, the vines, the grape bushes, Right? That, that he, he built the, the place where they smashed the grapes and the grape juice came out. He even went so far, I love this, he even went so far to build a tower so guards could be on the lookout to protect his investment. But the enemy was within. 
So basically in this story, you have God and you have the vineyard is the nation of Israel, God's chosen people. And in other parts of Scripture, Jesus talks about how God expects a return on his investment. That we're saved by grace, right? But we are saved for a purpose. That God expects for us to to love others in his name. And that there's going to be a return on the grace that he has shown us. Now, the, the farmers here and the centurions are, are the religious leaders, the guards. The religious leaders who are meant to be looking out and protecting God's investment have actually taken claim to God's investment and have now viewed God and his ambassadors as the enemy. And the servants that God is sending in this story are the prophets and and the teachers. So you have Jesus telling the Jewish leaders, the religious leaders, and other people who are listening, he's like, look, you are in a very dangerous place. And they're saying, by what authority are you clearing out the temple? And by what authority are you here telling us that we are far from God? And And Jesus is telling this story saying, look, You look at your religion and you look at the nation as Israel as yours. But you didn't build it. You didn't nurture it. That you've been entrusted with it and and so much so that you, you have been entrusted to work the land and protect these people. But never ever forget that this has all been set up to be a conduit to having a relationship with me. And things had gone terribly, terribly wrong to the point where God would send prophets. And throughout the Old Testament, we saw different prophets come and and speak, and Israel would either beat them or kill them. And then finally, God sends his son. Now, There's great clarity here that all the religious leaders know what Jesus is talking about. There's like no mystery to this story. And, And he comes and he says, you know, look, eventually the son is going to come and here I am. And they ask by what authority? And he's like, I'm the son of God. That is by what authority? And you're going to kill me too. And they did it a few days later. And then after he tells them this story, he asks them this question. What do you suppose the owner of the vineyard would do? Let's personalize it again. Say that you had a piece of land and you built a house on it for investment, for protection uh, uh, of people. To, to be kind of a, a place to be a blessing to other people, and you, and you rented it out. And you sent one of your servants, one of your ambassadors there to collect the rent. And when they got there, the people of the house just beat them and sent them back to you. And then you sent another person, and they beat them, and then they, another person, and then they killed them. And then finally you're like, I'm going to send my son. Or my daughter. And you send them, they kill. 
And this is what Jesus is saying. What do you think the owner of the field's going to do to these people? What would you do? This is what Jesus says. I tell you, he will come and kill those farmers and lease the vineyard to others. Didn't you ever read in the scripture, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing and it is wonderful to see. Now, a lot of us don't like this view of God. We love the grace God. We love the, you know, the God of love and all this. So what is this about? About, oh, you know what? God's going to come and kill them and, and, and lease the land to another, to another people? You know, what's that all about? What Jesus is basically saying here is this. He's like, look, you have been entrusted with God's chosen people, but you have rejected God and you have taken ownership of it. And because of these decisions that you have made and that you are not willing to repent, that you are going to experience a spiritual death and lose your special relationship between you and the Father. And what the Father is going to do is entrust a new people with this special relationship. And who is that? That is us. That is is the church. That is those of us who claim that we are followers of Christ, that we are the new tenants. And if we ever find ourselves in the place where the religious rulers of the day, that, that we hold our religion higher than the relationship, then we will find ourselves in the same place. Now, what about this cornerstone? I think that this is very, very important. What Jesus is saying is, look, this is what happened with you. That you made a decision, and then based on that decision, you made another decision, and based on that decision, you made another decision. And because of that, you have found yourself in a place where you have no idea how you got there. And this is for them, and it's recorded for us that we do not make the same mistake. Because when we're making decisions, you never know that you're getting off track. I remember when we put these foamy things up on the wall, and I was part of that. Um... And I remember getting, and I, I, I got here first, and I like to get a head start on everybody, and I like foam and glue. And uh, so I started, and I, I remember putting the first one up, and I looked at the first one, and I put the next one up, and I put the next one up, and I kept on going across the row. And then I, I, I said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go look at my work. And I went back there in the cheap seats. And you know what I saw? (laughs) I would have been happy with crooked. It was like this kind of like wavy thing. It was crazy. I was like, so so what I, I had to do, I had to tear them all back down. But why did that happen? 
because I kept on going off the relative placement of the previous one and not the cornerstone. This is what Jesus is calling himself here. He's the cornerstone. And in ancient times, this is what they used for the cornerstone before they had like laser levels and everything. Like when they were building the pyramids and all that kind of stuff and homes and everything, they would find the most perfect stone that they possibly could. And off of that stone, every time they placed a stone, they would base it back on that cornerstone to make sure that everything was nice and level. And what Jesus is trying to communicate here to us is, you know what? I am that cornerstone. And that you need to come back to me and my life and my teachings every time you make a decision. And if you do not, what will happen is, oh, I'm going to start basing it on this teaching that was based on Jesus. And you know what? That teaching might be good, but there might be a nuance in that teaching that leads you, if you base your next decision on that, leads you to another kind of decision. And you start going off of these decisions and you end up in a place you never dreamed you would be. And Jesus here is saying, every time you make a decision that I am that cornerstone and that you are to go back to me and base your decisions on my life, on my values, and my teaching. That way you will never get far from what I have envisioned for your life. Now he also said this, the, the stone the builders rejected, that's Jesus, has now become the cornerstone. This is what the Lord is doing, and it is wonderful to see. Also in Luke, uh, this is recorded in and. Jesus also says that this is the stone that people have tripped over. That they didn't like the Jesus stone. They didn't like the cornerstone. They liked other people's teachings. They liked different traditions and stuff like that. We have that here today. E3 is not immune to it, and the American church at large is not used uh, is, is not immune to it. I mean, all of us have, have heard like decision-making that is, that is based in the church of like, well, why are you doing this? What's the typical church answer? Because we've always done it that way. Or somebody else made that decision instead of doing the, the due diligence to go back to the original teaching, the first century teaching of Jesus Christ in saying, we do this because Jesus instructed us to do this. And when we do that and we make that part of the discipline in our churches and in our personal lives, that we can, we'll know that we'll never get too far from Him. And this is what happened out of the teaching. The religious leaders wanted to arrest Jesus because they realized He was telling the story against them. They were the wicked farmers, but they were afraid of the crowds, so they left him and went away. And Luke tells us that that's when they started to plot to kill Jesus. You you can almost see the story, you know, Jesus is telling them, you know, hey, you know, there's this guy, and then the servants came, and and you guys beat him, and then kill him. Then the son came, aka me, and they killed him too. And you can almost see coming like, yeah, it's not a bad idea there, Jesus. Now you're making sense. But they, didn't, they tuned out to the rest. 
And that's kind of the beginning of the end of Jesus' earthly ministry. But it was important as a learning for the religious rulers of that day, and it is important and essential for us today to be sure and diligent and disciplined that when we are making decisions that we don't base it on a previous decision, but we go all the way back to the cornerstone who is Jesus Christ. You guys pray with me. Dear Lord, our cornerstone, we have all found ourselves in a place at one time in our life where we just scratch our heads and wonder, how did we get here? God, we know because you instruct us how we got there. It's because we rejected the cornerstone of you. God, I just pray that we will be a people that relentlessly pursue who you've called us to be and that we, with discipline, go back to your life and go back to your words and we implement it into our lives. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.